Hello and welcome to another Toonami pre-flight, where today we're going to be talking planes and but not trains. M- movies that have to do with planes. And no automobiles. We wrote a super confusing topic originally, but we, we cleaned it up before uh, it made it to the people, so hopefully it'll, there won't be any question marks. <laughs> um, but it's pre-flight, so you never really know. Who likes planes? That should have just been our question. <laughs> yes or no? Yes or no. Check this box. Do you like planes? Yes. I like planes. Do you like planes? Uh, indifferent planes. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we are they get you where you need to go. Yeah. Faster than a car. That's true. So that's good. Um, do you enjoy the process of air travel and all its delights? No, not at all. I think Louis C.K. is wrong and stupid. How's that? Just generally? Well, he was just... He did a bit, I believe. Oh, about uh, like you know, flying like through the air. You're flying through the yeah, air at yeah. 10,000 miles an hour. Stop whining. Right. And I'm like, eh, it still kind of sucks, though. And it doesn't have to suck that much. And that's because they're trying to squeeze every last dollar out of everyone who flies. Yeah. So, I see what he was saying, but at the same time, shut I mean, the fuck up. it beats the shit out of... Beats the shit walking. out of walking, for sure. It's a terrific invention. But one can complain about uh, how people are treated by companies in air travel without saying, fuck planes. I was watching (laughs) a a Narcos episode somewhere in the second season, and they're flying to Germany, and it's like 15 feet in between each (laughs) row of seats. I was like, uh, the 70s kind of sucked, too. But you you could smoke cigarettes and (laughs) bang around on an airplane. Yeah. Uh, which is a seamless transition into today's movie topic, uh, which is The Wind Rises. That's a strange uh, still to choose. You can't see the main character's face or his wife's face. It's a weird weird one, Sean. Maybe uh, do better next time. I think he made a note of it. I think he made a note, yeah. Um, so this movie is a pseudo biopic of the man who actually invented the Japanese Zero, which is a World War II airplane that uh, was pretty much, it wasn't quite unbeatable, but it was definitely something that the U.S. was worried about, as I recall. Yeah. It was uh, certainly the best known piece of war machinery from the Japanese. Um, In many respects, they were somewhat behind technologically if you compare them to Germany or the U.S. in terms of their weaponry. Um, But when it came to this plane, it it was really because of the design that it was a formidable, um, you know, a thing for the U.S. to worry about. So this movie is somewhat about uh, Jiro Horikoshi, who is the man who designed the Zero, um, but it's also uh, a love story about the a woman that he met uh, that I think is combined from another book. So I think he's taken... Miyazaki did this over many years as a um, manga. He wrote it in installments. And it's based partially on the book of this guy's actual life story and also on a romance and then on a third thing. He sort of c- combined them all together. 
Um, so it starts in the earlier pre World War II era, where there's a great Japanese earthquake that uh, where the main character meets uh, his future love of his life uh, and helps her. And then later he ends up meeting her again, and she has tuberculosis, which back then was the death sentence. Yeah. Just a long, slow death. So she's spending a lot of time at these sanitariums, sort of healing up, and he hangs out with her and falls in love. And so simultaneously, while that's going on, he is trying to find work as an aircraft designer in whatever places he can and basically at that time the entire country of Japan was being nationalized into literally everything everyone was doing was the war effort so if you wanted to design airplanes it meant you were designing airplanes that were eventually going to be used to For the kill people so um, a lot of the movie is about his I mean the central thesis of the movie is about how uh, an artist can't necessarily control what their work is used for and that the morality of the messy morality of of what you know he designed a beautiful machine that was his life's work that was uh, a brilliant thing but it was and used also to, an instrument of death. but all, it was an instrument of death so it's just sort of the struggle between should he have not fulfilled his dream of building something beautiful knowing that it would be used for that you know like it's just um so it when the movie came out it got a little bit of criticism because i think there are people who looked at it as glorifying this guy who made you know this machine that was responsible for a lot of death i think that's sort of a really simplistic way of looking at it um it's not like he's oppenheimer but even oppenheimer you know you can look at right like so um but it did get some criticism uh, both in Japan and in the U.S. for that. And, and Miyazaki retired, one of his many retirements. He retired when the movie was released and said, oh, I've, this, is, this it. is it. I've said everything I need to say. And, of course, now he has another movie coming out next year. Um, but I do think were this to be his last film, it works as a summing like a summary statement of it has a lot of the things that are in a lot of his movies, but I think in a more mature way. And I do think it's uh, maybe his film that tells it's maybe the, the clearest statement of sort of who he is as a director. Um, and for that reason is why we put it so high on the pace list, which ended up being a controversial choice. Um, so let's look at, I think, uh, I have a, Trailer. trailer and then a clip. Yeah, so let's look at the trailer first.
particularly exciting trailer, but yeah, <laughs> it's a quiet one, somewhat lyrical. <laughs> um, but uh, I saw this in the theater when it came out. Did uh, did you as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked it. Hips. I mean, it looks so good, and it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird situation to try to figure out. Like, is it? On the one hand, you do think like if you really wanted to build airplanes, maybe in the middle of the war isn't the yeah. best time to push forward. But it's. I don't think that's a choice most people... Well, he's building them before the war, too. But I think that, uh, yeah, it was just sort of the decision was, do you get the experience building planes, hoping that eventually you get to realize your dream of... His dream was to build a safe, multi-passenger plane that could take people long distances. So what he was hoping was that through building these planes, he would learn how to get to... Because back then... Uh, the understanding of physics and how it would affect, you know, how things flew and how fast they flew and how long they flew were very much still in the early days of trial and error, you know, where you just didn't really know half the time. Um, and yeah, I until think, it blew up and shook apart. And I think that, uh, especially if you live in Japan and it's basically like whatever you're going to do is going to be, you have to be part of the war effort or leave then I think you kind of see how hard it would have been to, you know, not do what literally your whole culture yeah. and society is doing. Um, but uh, they do, and, and they, they do contrast a lot of the real world stuff with a bunch of like sort of flights of fancy stuff where he imagines that he's talking to an Italian uh, inventor of planes who, and is sort of, the discussions he has with him are really about the nature of should I be doing this, you know? Um, but it's, they're interesting cause they break up the like sort of biopic feel of it and make it feel a little more, yeah, more, more like a Miyazaki film. Um, and they kind of let you into the mind of, of this guy's creativity and you know, how he dreams about what he wants planes to look like and be. But I mean, Miyazaki's always been fascinated with planes and flight, obviously. And this movie is definitely feels like a summation of all those, of all the times he's had planes in his movies, you know? Um, So let's look at a clip. And this kind of gives you a good idea of just what the movie feels like. Which world will you choose? I just want to create beautiful airplanes. Like that? even have an engine or cockpit yet bravo a beautiful dream so um the dub is great as with most Miyazaki films um Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays the main character. Uh, interestingly, in Japan, the main character was played by Hideki Anno, who is the director and creator of Neon Genesis Evangelion and Shin Godzilla. 
and has never done any voice work. And Miyazaki was like, I just keep picturing Anno in my head because he has a certain way of talking. And Anno was like, well, tough shit. I've got shit to do and I'm not an actor. And Miyazaki was like, come on, you're going to do it. And so he convinced him, bullied him into it, really. Uh, and, every, and by all accounts, he did a great job, although I don't speak Japanese. No? So I don't really know. I know. Kind of impossible to tell right. if you don't speak the language. But anyway, uh, I've watched the Japanese version and uh, found his voice pleasing, for what that's worth. Yeah, it does seem an odd choice, but... I mean, if for a guy like Miyazaki that's been making movies for so long and you, you just, have a feeling, you're yeah. like, yeah, all right, who's going to tell I me mean, no? Right. You I go, do think you would. You make Nausicaa and then you can make, you know, like, I think that's probably how he is. And Anno is a, a, a wonderful creative, you know, obviously. So who knows? Maybe he also had a, just had a great voice and was dying yeah, just, to get it into a movie. Just a smooth one. Um, so that takes us to our topic of the day, which is. What's your favorite movie involving an airplane? Because we didn't want to say a movie about airplanes, because there's not so many of those, and also there aren't. We needed to open the door a lot of good ones. Yeah, we needed to open it up. Um, So we opened it up pretty broad to what's your favorite movie involving an airplane. I still took that to the place of movies that mostly take place on an airplane because I felt like. Uh, you could a movie involving an airplane could be like Indiana Jones, you know. Like I mean, there's hundreds and thousands, so yeah. I wanted to narrow it down a little. So my movies are mostly films that take place largely on airplanes. Um, so first up is Robert Zemeckis's recent movie Flight, starring Denzel Washington. Uh, I have to confess that when I you didn't actually see this movie, <laughs> I have to confess I didn't watch it. It just seems like something I should talk about. <laughs> Uh, when I saw the promo for this in the theater, I was like, boring. Like, I was like, who cares? Another middle of the road, Robert Zemeckis, Denzel. Like, you know, they fake, like, the, the, really the plot of the movie is, what if Sully was a drunk? Yeah. Like, what if he miraculously saved a bunch of people, but they found out that he was abusing drugs and alcohol while he did it? What, you know, what would happen? Yeah. And so Denzel plays this character who is a pilot who is in a spiral of addiction. He's a drunk and he's doing coke and sort of just kind of sliding off the edge of of his life and he gets on a routine flight and something goes wrong and he basically has to land the plane uh, in the middle of a field and he does this miraculous maneuver that nobody can figure out how he did um, where he flies the plane upside down and then lands it and and no one is hurt or there's like a couple people hurt but nobody dies and there's an investigation into the crash as there always is in any major air crash and of course they take his blood and find out that he's you know uh, he was under the influence on the plane so then there's a big investigation and there's hearings and a lot of the movie concerns whether or not he's going to try to use the fact that he saved all these people's lives to weasel out of his responsibility for doing something he knew he shouldn't have been doing which is you know being responsible for all of them while sober you know yeah. while while drinking so um it's it's but as you know like i said when i saw it i was like this is so middle of the road like and maybe i'm just getting old but when i finally watched it on home video it's pretty good yeah like, like it. it's got one of the, the like the sequence of where things slowly start going wrong on the plane i mean 
Zemeckis obviously has a uh, a thing with plane stuff. Like, obviously, he's got, he has had a couple movies where plane shit goes wrong. Um, so clearly, that's something that fascinates him, and you can tell by the sequences how they slowly build and like the pilot's like it's cool now everything's and then things get worse and worse and the pilot's like okay it's getting bad and you know they ratchet it up really really well so let's take a look at the i think this is this the trailer which gives you a good idea of the movie please ignore the totally ham-fisted use of sympathy for the devil good morning trina Good morning, Captain Whitaker. Here's a manifest with 102 souls on board. Let's get them tucked in. We're ready to push. How you feeling, Whit? Looked like you pulled some kind of move up there, man. You saved a lot of lives. We are in a dive. I have no control on my side. We going there? Everybody in brace positions. The way you landed that plane was nothing short of a miracle. I see nothing but houses! Evan, listen to me. Trim us nose down. The plane fell apart at 30,000 feet. We're gonna roll it. What, what do you mean, roll it? Ready? Here we go. I'm on the list, baby girl. There is all kinds of crazy news people out here. You're a rock star, man. You will never pay for another drink as long as you live. Captain Whitaker is a real American hero. This is Hugh Lang. He's an attorney from Chicago. Why do we need a lawyer? You don't remember having your blood drawn the night of the crash? You had alcohol in your system. That could be life in prison. ANTSB hearings in 10 days. Captain Whitaker! the microscope right now. Are you hiding something? You gonna shoot me? Can I come inside? Yeah, come on inside. I'll shoot you inside. This was an act of God. Those God would do this. Our investigators concluded the aircraft failed. The FAA placed 10 pilots in simulators, recreated the events. Every pilot killed everybody on board. You were the only one who could do it. You saved my mom. I want to talk about the days leading up to the accident. This thing is so heavy, it's killed me. I drank the night before the flight. Does Whitaker know he's going to jail? My clients don't go to jail. It's a lie, Whit. It's a lie. I'm trying to save your life. Your life. We lost our power! Wait for impact. No one could have landed that plane like I did. No one, seem not ideal flying <laughs> upside down. No one should ever, ever be allowed to use the Rolling Stones in a movie trailer ever again. Or really in a movie after Scorsese has, yeah. I mean, like... Written it under the ground. That's enough. It's, it's done. Um, while we're here, why don't we skip to the Castaway clip? Uh, because I wanted to show you guys the other great Zemeckis... Uh, directed scene. This is probably the scariest. Like of all the plane crashes I've seen in movies and stuff, this is the one that seems the scariest. Because in this scene, Tom Hanks is on this FedEx flight headed back. He's on a he's on a freight plane headed back from Russia, and they slowly start hitting turbulence. 
but he's the only passenger, so they're not like telling him what's going on. He just, and the way they do it, they don't show you what the pilots are talking about. They literally just show you Tom Hanks, like yeah, sort of looking, and they're like talking, and you can tell things are getting weird, but like it's not yet like oh something's really wrong. And Tom Hanks goes to the bathroom, so then when he goes to the bathroom is when some shit happens and the cargo something in the cargo explodes because the plane moves around something explosive and it it depressurizes the cabin so he goes from sort of tired when you're on that long flight settling in getting ready to wash your face and then settle down to trying not to get sucked out of a plane as it crashes into the frozen water Uh, check it out Flying FedEx Air does not seem like it's very much. Not what you want to see when you looked at the cockpit is just the ocean rushing up towards you. (laughs) Terrifying. Um, So uh, next up is uh, a little loved, except by me, (laughs) 
uh, action movie from the 90s called Executive Decision, starring Steven Seagal and Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, the king of the bee movies. I, I always call him king of the bees because he has had a long and steady career of when it's a bee movie and it's starring Kurt Russell, you can almost always guarantee you're going to have a good time. Right. It so, might not be a good movie, but it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be good enough. Even Captain Ron is pretty good. I mean, Kurt Russell has an unerring sense of uh, making entertaining movies. So this is an action movie where a bunch of terrorists hijack a plane with a U.S. senator on it. And they're saying it's because they want to free uh, the brother of the leader of the terrorists. But Kurt Russell plays a CIA analyst who thinks that this guy actually has a plan to he's simply stalling and that what he wants to do is crash the plane um into uh i think it's the white house but it's you know something like that um some bad shit so um there is a tactical team and because kurt russell has a history with this guy's brother because he was the person who planned the raid on his brother's compound they say he has to come along so they get a um, stealth fighter that's sort of an experimental plane and they figure out a way to connect to the passenger jet with the stealth fighter without the passenger jet knowing and basically cut a hole in it and airlock and then a a team, you know, a Navy SEAL team will go out there and theoretically kill everyone. But in the docking, everything goes wrong and two of the main guys of the team, the leader of the team and another guy get injured the plane has to disembark and explodes and so kurt russell is shoved onto this passenger jet because they're just like get off because they think everybody's gonna die yeah stealth fighter so he finds himself not having any combat experience having to work with um steven seagal and john leguizamo johnny legs uh, combat team um, and eventually the movie ends with him having to land the plane and everything. So, uh, but it's a super fun action movie. It's got Steven Seagal. I mean, how could you not, you know, early days. Yeah, I was going to say, it depends on the timeline. It's, it's early days Seagal. It's not but 96 uh, is Russian still good puppet, enough. Russian puppet Seagal. <laughs> um, and uh, like I said, Kurt Russell, it's fine. Yeah. Kurt Russell's there. It's going to be fine. So uh, I think this movie is super fun. Uh, the guy who directed it directed um, the sequel to The Fugitive, U.S. Marshals. And he also directed a Star Trek movie, Star Trek Nemesis, probably the least loved Star Trek movie. And since then, has not directed anything, but is still an editor and, in fact, edited Skyfall. Like, he edits major movies. I think he still just got talent, like, but they're I'm like, out. Yeah. you know, I'm out of the directing game. Or they said, <laughs> yeah, they were like, come on, you, you, you don't you get bl- to hold you on blew to this it. anymore. You blew a Star Trek and you blew the yeah. sequel to The Fugitive, so it's, it's over. Um, so let's check out, I believe this is a scene. Yeah, this is the cabin. This is the scene where all good plane movies need a loss of cabin pressure scene. So this is that. Ah! 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 
This is Oceanic 343 Heavy requesting emergency landing. We are low on fuel. We have structural damage, but we are stable and in control. If you get an oceanic flight, you know you're fucked. Yeah, I know. I wonder if, uh, I wonder, I mean, now, obviously, since Lost, you'll never see anything oceanic, but I wonder how many movies use oceanic before Lost, you know? Um, So, yeah, a fun movie, um, full of scenes like that, if you like that kind of thing. And then finally, uh, I think this is the last Wes Craven movie I remember actually liking, and that is the 90s thriller Red Eye. Starring Cillian Murphy and uh, what's her name, Rachel Rachel, Adam, Rachel McAdams, um, and I think if they, this movie were to come out today, they would have advertised it totally differently. Because the great thing about the movie is the first half hour is almost like a romantic comedy. Yeah. It's like a romance movie. Like it's like it's like meet Sydney. She's having a rough life, and then she meets this guy, and he's really cute, and like. They give you no indication of where the movie's going to go. And then all of a sudden, midway through, it turns into basically he's a total psycho. And he is wants her to... She works... She runs a hotel for a hotel chain. And he needs her to move this senator... Always senators. To it's a, not that old, is it? 90s? Uh, maybe early 2000s, okay. sorry. Uh to a particular room so that he a rocket can blow the room up. And he has her father hostage, and if she doesn't do what he says, he's going to... It does seem like a very end. complicated plan. Totally. <laughs> um, so it's a hilarious and fun thriller in which Cillian Murphy basically is menacing Rachel McAdams and she tries to figure out how to outwit him and then when they get off the plane there's she stabs him there's a huge long car chase she runs over the guy that's trying to kill her dad then she and her dad both take turns shooting Cillian Murphy it's pretty great uh if you like Wes Craven it's probably one of his better late period films I think if they advertise this movie today though they wouldn't tell you anything about the twist before it came out you know like right. the promos would all just be like romantic comedy and well then- they do it the same way they did that creepy ass um <laughs> inter- oh, yeah, not interstellar passengers. yeah pa- passengers uh well, it's a meet cute where he he's fucking condemns her to a life yeah. to die on a spaceship um but a super fun uh thriller if you're ever in the mood for a good thriller take that mostly takes place on an airplane let's check out this is the trailer which is pretty terrible and gives away the whole movie but here you go the white zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers only don't worry you still catch your plane you got uh... 10 minutes Flight 1019 has been delayed. So you on this? Very delayed flight to Miami. Mm-hmm. Yep. You? Sadly, yes. Mm-hmm. Hi. Is this taken? No, it's all yours. So are you heading home? Yeah, trying. Hi. That's actually my seat. You're kidding. You're not kidding. The name's Jackson. Lisa. So what do you do? As fate would have it, my business is all about you. I'm not sure where you're going with this. J.R. Joe Reisert. Your father? Where did you get that? Grabbed it off your dad's desk next to your graduation picture. You tell the 
flight attendant and your dad dies. What can I do for you? She's just had a really rough day. A death in the family. Why are you doing this? Somebody wants to send a big brash message. I have to go to the restroom. Okay. I trust you. A man went in there, but a lady's in there too. Do dad a favor and stop gambling with his life. Excuse me, this isn't a motel. McAdams, Killian Murphy, Red Eye. What a terrible! You like the Notebook? <laughs> you're gonna love Red what Eye. What a terrible trailer! Batman Begins is Cillian <laughs> Murphy. Anyway, I mean, if you're Cillian Murphy's weird because he's so handsome, he could believably be in a romantic movie, but he's also so fucking creepy naturally. That nobody's gonna believe that he's just some innocent dude. Like he never plays like just a nice man. I would love to see somebody cut that trailer like it was the Notebook and just deal with the <laughs> just first deal with the romantic comedy part. <laughs> anyway, uh, well done. Uh, first for me is Rennie Harlan's 1990 classic Die Hard 2: Die Harder, um, which <gasps> there's a plane. In fairness, and the plane is really is- more about around an airport than it is an airplane but the airplanes do take uh, account so unfortunately close enough for John McClane high it's, incidence it's of, once again high incidence of Dennis France once again it's Christmas time and he is in the right place at the wrong time or whatever you want to say yeah. so uh, he is waiting for his wife's plane to come into Dulles and she's always working the wife he's got to go pick her up she's always at work so there he's modern women today their relationship is mended after the events of the Nakatomi Plaza uh, two years prior. And uh, he's just a working John going to pick up his wife at Dulles. And there's some weird tunnel that they're making for some other dumb reason. And there's a team of uh, wronged and recently burned uh, soldiers, special forces yeah. who are on the wrong side of the law. And they're looking to get payback, some money, I think. And John Amos from Good Times yeah. is one of the main bad guys. And uh, it's they steal a thing and they pretend to be the air traffic control and they change the where they think yeah. the ground level is and they crash a whole plane and just to show John McClane they mean business slaughter three hundred people. Um, but eventually, John McClane pissed him off. Grabs a news helicopter to drop him onto the wing of an airplane where he fights it out uh, with the main uh, special forces. <laughs> several, several special forces guys. So uh, <laughs> take it away, John McClane.
CIA, motherfucker. Luckily, the he's jet like, fuel was he's like, 18 inches from his face. Yeah, he just killed a plane full of people. Yeah. Sadly, the terrorists decided to fly a plane made entirely of gasoline. That, uh, I just realized killed. just now that was Franco Nero flying the plane, the original Django. Who knew? Yeah, the I deep mean, cuts. Me. Uh, next is Kevin Hooks, who you might remember as the director of Black Dog, uh, who directed 1992's Passenger 57. No one's going to remember the director of fucking Black Dog. Wesley Snipes <laughs> plays John Cutter, who is a former Secret Service uh, agent turned self-defense coach for flight attendants in very strange... When they called, when this movie shows. came out, this started the Die Hard on a whatever. Yeah. Because this was Just Die Hard on a plane. Right. And then Die Hard made Die Hard on a plane. Yeah. Die Harder. Yeah. Um... And anyway, this is the always bet on black scene. Let's just get to it. working out the way you want it, asshole. Don't flatter yourself, Cutter. You prevented nothing. Although it seems I may have underestimated you. Dumping the fuel is quite ingenious. At least Mr. Douglas's body won't have so far to fall now. <laughs> well, maybe Vincent could hitch a ride with him on his way down. You know, Charlie, I'm a little surprised at you. Didn't your father ever teach you never send a boy to do a man's job? <laughs> Speaking of boys... Our stewardess friend must be feeling particularly unsatisfied. Charlie, you ever play roulette? On occasion. Well, let me give you a word of advice. Always bet on black. (laughs) 
telling you he hangs up. Yeah. He's like, oh, I guess it's over. <laughs> Boom. I will bet on black then. Thank you for the advice. <laughs> it's a sweet line. Not could, ultimately the best roulette strategy. You but. could re you could reshoot that whole scene, not change a line, and just change the actors to comedy actors. Yeah, and it would, and it would immediately the be the most ridiculous yeah. parody you've ever seen. But you wouldn't yeah, have to change Farrell anything. Will Ferrell and John C. Riley <laughs> just and, saying exactly the same brothers. Line. It's, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and finally, for me, is Simon West, 1997, uh, Best Picture winner, Con Air. Uh, Con Airer. Uh, Nick Cage is Poe, who is an ex-Special Forces <laughs> this guy. so fucking terrible. Who, it's something ridiculous. Like, he killed somebody, but he was killing them in the right way or something. So it's like, <laughs> killed Santa Claus, but it was to save the devil from doing something worse so he's in Hold jail on, for 10 let years me write this idea down you've got some good movie ideas and uh they're <laughs> transporting uh all these prisoners to a new supermax facility um and obviously john malkovich the most badass and when you think of badass i remember when this, when this movie came out there was this, uh bing rames was talking about on the first day of shooting, he went up to John Malkovich and was like, what kind of preparation did you do for this movie? Like, did you... And John Malkovich just goes, goes are you fucking kidding me? And just turned and walked away. <laughs> um, but he is Cyrus the Virus, which is <laughs> so gross horrifying. Uh, this is them being on Con Air. Uh, and uh, this is when you really know that it's, it's going to be a sweet Jerry Bruckheimer... Uh, production. Production. It, the crux of this scene is. Um, Are you really going to s- explain Connor? No. Hold on, Bobby! Get in, Taser! Bobby, open the door! Oh, God damn! 
gun out of the lockbox, Mac. Go on back there, check it out. There was a disturbance, but everything's under control. Say it, or I will kill you. Without me, you got nobody to fly the plane. I never think that far ahead. All right, I'm doing it. Just take it easy. And if you say a word about this over the radio, the next wings you see will belong to the flies buzzing over your rotting corpse. Uh, Carson City. Gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I have the only gun on board. Welcome to Con Air. I just have a few questions. If, uh, how would he see the buzzing flies? That was one of my questions. The next, it seems overly complicated anyway, and then it also doesn't make any sense because you're dead. No, it's a Bruckheimer. That's the only thing that was a little weird about that setup. This was the Bruckheimer movie where they really cracked the code, though, of just getting a bunch of really good character actors and then feeding them the fucking horse shit and letting them do the heavy lifting. Chew the scene. Because they have Steve Buscemi, Dave Chappelle, John Malkovich, Ving Rames, Nicolas Cage, John Cusack. They have like a whole, and even more. I'm I'm missing like another ten yeah. freaking guys where they literally were just like, just get a bunch of good actors. It doesn't the rest doesn't so blow some shit up. The rest doesn't matter. Yeah, this does have the sweetest shot in um, film history of, of Nicholas Cage walking off the plane and yeah, his locks with the, flowing his in the locks breeze. Flowing in the breeze. That's a total meme at this point because it's so ridiculous. Uh, so those are some of our favorite movies. Involving an airplane, let's check out Adult Swim Facebooks and see how it stacks up. Airplane. I would have thought that choice would be there. Snakes on a plane is just a lazy choice. That movie sucks. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Dr. Strangelove is a great choice. And Con Air looks like Adult Swim somewhat agrees with you. Yeah, dialed in. Uh, now let's check out the Toonami uh, picks for your favorite airplane movies. Airplane, Snakes on a Plane, Air Force One, <laughs> Porco Rosso, and Top Gun. Uh, all pretty good choices except Snakes on a Plane, which is a terrible movie. Well, Man, four it, to five ain't bad. Fits the criteria, but yeah. it's not a good You can't movie. tell them that their feelings are wrong. Sure I can. Okay. I can tell them that. Okay, fair enough. I'm doing it right now. Well, I just did it, in fact. Point, counterpoint. I'll do it every, every week, Checkmate. Actually. Uh, now let's check out some sneak peeks and a couple of repeaks. I guess actually everything we're about to show has already aired at some point, but we're going to still uh, call well, it a sneak peek. The dub premieres, Super Bordeaux, and no, no, no. I mean these promos have all and already Attack aired. on Titan are all dub premieres, but oh, okay. the spots themselves. Okay, gotcha. Uh, let's start off with the My Hero Academia spot for uh, the new episode this Saturday night at nine thirty. On the next all-new episode of My Hero Academia. My 
Hero Academia, Saturday at 9.30. Look alive, short. <laughs> Only Toonami on Adult Swim. So hopefully you're enjoying our new expanded night of Toonami. Uh, and as such, because we have so many new Bigger shows, and better. We've uh, had to trim the total running times down a little bit. Our editors can only do some, spend so many hours of the day doing topicals, so um, we needed to trim a little bit. Uh, And next is the second episode of Borto, which will be this Saturday night at 10.30. On the next all-new episode of Borto. This is gonna be fun. Borto, Saturday at 10.30. He's going to get suspended again. Only Toonami on Adult Swim. And then uh, Dragon Ball Super back at its new old time at 11 o'clock on Saturday night. On the next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super. I am Top the Bold! This is just the kind of excitement I've been waiting for. Dragon Ball Super, Saturday at 11. Only Toonami on Adult Swim. I can't believe we're already up to 82 episodes of Super, and it's nuts. Flying through them. I know. Uh, and we are up to episode five of Louie Cooley Alternative, the penultimate episode, uh, this Saturday night at 11.30. What are you planning to do? Don't you know that they can't be stopped? And they won't stop until, for no reason at all, every single one of the planets in this universe is flattened. Sort of a low-key topical. <laughs> yeah, it's smooth. Uh, and last for our topicals is Attack on Titan, episode 44, I believe. Uh, and that's this Saturday night at midnight. On the next all-new episode of Attack on Titan, things get complicated when the history of the cavern and the walls become clear. In a power-hungry world, it's eat or be eaten. But what happens when that's taken literally? Catch an all-new episode of Attack on Titan, Saturday at midnight, only Toonami on Adult Swim. The shit is getting real. I guess so, yeah. Uh, And then we... Aired this last week, but we didn't show it on pre-flight, so we thought we would uh, run it back with Dennis Maloney's game review for the Spider-Man PS4. Been a while yeah. since I blah 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 blah. Pretty fun running around being Spider-Man. Let's check it out. I've always been a big fan of the Marvel Universe, so I couldn't wait to suit up and start kicking ass as the Amazing Spider-Man. By helping the NYPD take down the Kingpin. And from there, the city is yours. The Big Apple is one big playground. Swing from skyscrapers, zip to the rescue, and lay the beat down on tons of bad guys and bosses. Level up by completing missions and collecting XP. Use it to unlock new spider suits and gadget upgrades. Then take it to the streets and bring the pain. The story only takes about 15 hours. But there's plenty of extras to keep your spidey senses tingling long after it's done. For me, the biggest downside was sometimes having to play as Peter Parker. I'd rather be web-slinging. But being your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is as fun as it looks. We give it an 8 out of 10. Does whatever a spider can. It's fine. It's fine is a good way to describe it. Yeah. Um... And then, uh, lastly, we have two Adult Swim singles uh, for you this week. 
Uh, first up is a song by Clams Casino, who we've had on before, uh, and Pluto Nash, and it's called Gravity. Uh, check that one out right here. Next up is a new track from High on Fire, Spewn from the Earth, which I love that title because I love High on Fire. Let's give that a listen. Both of those are available at adultswim.com slash singles and keep coming back every week. We'll be dropping at least one new song a week for the next 52 straight weeks. And if you like Clamps Casino or High on Fire, you can also see them at the Adult Swim Festival, October 5th through 7th at the Row in downtown L.A., which is going to be Friday Tonight. when this airs. Yeah, it'll be Friday when this airs. So Friday you can come and that's the preview night. You can see T-Pain, Open Mike Eagle, and Metro Boomin. Um, and then uh, the big nights are Saturday and Sunday. So there's still Even time. Bigger nights. <laughs> still time. Tickets are still available. Go to adultswimfestival.com. Get them. If you're in the California area, well worth changing whatever your stupid plans are and going to check this out instead. It's we'll, true. We'll be there. We will. And that alone should make it worth your while. We're headlining. Yeah. Um, so thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Bye. Tsunami, now every Saturday night from 10 to 4.